Welcome to After the Act, a film podcast where we talk about movies and shows that we like. We're your hosts. I am Randissimo, here with Jorge Luther. <laughs> and today is a special episode. We have, I think, our first After the Act guest here, uh, MK. MK, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. MK here is a certified DC fan. He's, uh, he's well-versed in the comics. He uh, he loves he loves a lot of their recent works, especially the uh, uncut edits for Zack Snyder. But we'll get into that. But yeah, man, thanks for thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. Oh man, anytime. You know, pandemic. I ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> That's the vibe. That, That's yeah. the vibe. <laughs> That's very fair. That's very fair. Yeah, uh, Jorge Luther here told me like we can't do this episode without Cam. Absolutely can. I was all right. Bet. Let's get, let's get it going. Um, yeah, I think out of all of us, you're definitely the biggest DC fan. I think. Yeah, I'll try not to disappoint, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. All right, we'll hold you to that. We'll hold you to that. And I felt like that was that was pretty much the theme I felt for this cut. I think everyone, everyone who actually cared about this kind of movie, the DC universe, had the whole like, I really hope it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> like, I really, really hope it doesn't disappoint. Um, but let, let's talk about the original one because that one exists. Came out in 2017. Um, MK, what was your thoughts on the original Justice League? Did it hold up to your standards of what you expected from the movie, or were you kind of like the rest where you you felt it uh, it lacked in some areas? We're talking about the theatrical cut, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was garbage. First of all, they already had. His predecessor, Batman versus Superman, was already a half-baked project, and there, and there's already you no know, story behind that. You know how about 45 minutes worth of story was cut out, so there's all these gaping plot holes that were not resolved, and then they have the audacity to go into um, the theatrical cut of Justice League, and you have no idea what's going on. So yeah, there's really there's really nothing you can salvage with that in terms of story. Sure. It was. It wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, right. I remember, man. You and I actually saw that one in theaters when it came out. We were mm-hmm. just like, oh man, it's. I think it came out on a weekend. I'm pretty sure we're like, oh, we had yeah. nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. Even though you know we're in grad school, let's go watch Justice yeah. League. And yeah, uh, yeah. we we were just scratching our heads the whole time. I think afterwards, I think the highlight of that that day was we went and got some pasta to eat, uh, which was delicious. But yeah. we we're just like, man. What the what, what what the fuck happened to this, Josh Whedon? I, I don't know I how much of that theater. Man. I walked out that theater <laughs> feeling I was mugged. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, me here. Exactly, exactly. And then mm-hmm. I, I at the time, all we heard was that Zack Snyder dropped out because, unfortunately, a family loss. Uh, but mm-hmm. we didn't know how much was of the movie was filmed. They kept that pretty under wraps. Um, mm-hmm. So we weren't at the time sure how much Josh Whedon had to play in terms of script changes and in and, and movie shots or reshoots or anything like that so um mm-hmm. it was just a really big head scratcher moment for i think the two of us it's pretty pretty much fair to say we just walked mm-hmm. out of there saying wow they uh they really botched that one and uh now i don't see how dc is going to compete with marvel in any way shape or, fo- just shape or form this was like their best chance and mm-hmm. uh they completely destroyed it so it was really disappointing at the time and that was in 2017 and i mean it took Look how many years, four years, just to get this, the Zack Snyder cut after fans came together in uh, mm-hmm. in petition to see all of these uh, 
these un these uh, unreleased shots and of course he did reshoots for this uh this version of it but uh this is actually one of those moments like sonic that i'm really happy about because the fans mm -hmm. finally have an influence on the final product whereas before i can say with pretty much 100 percent confidence that movie the movie studios would not have cared about what the fans had to say mm -hmm. uh, but due to the you know very particular very special times we live in with covid and then on top of that you know streaming services becoming more and more popular uh you can see things slowly become uh, starting to change uh fans have mm -hmm. a bit more input now on these projects so that's what my initial impression of justice league was but what about you randy simo yeah yeah the original one just like you guys uh didn't care for it like i i felt it was better than bvs but you know that's that's the saying you know it's better than scum um <laughs> <laughs> so after that I was kind of you know kind of done with having expectations for the GCEU until like Wonder Woman came out and I'm like alright maybe they can have fun with like single character movies maybe that's their move instead of these group ones that they try to force it seems um, but I was pleasantly surprised like very very pleasantly surprised with the edited version I wasn't one of the fans who was you know clamoring for the Snyder Cut I didn't really think this much was left on the editing floor. I figure, yeah, maybe there were some shots that could be could have been introduced, but I don't have high expectations at all for this DCEU. I was kind of like tapped out of it. If they make some individual films, I might check it out, might catch it on HBO. If not, I can I can leave it. Uh, four hours of this, I don't know what else could be in this movie that would justify two more hours, but sure, let's check it out and. Yeah, trying to compare the two, or it feels like a different movie, a completely different movie. It has way more time spent with the characters that you didn't even think they cared about. You know, I, I didn't actually realize that movie cared about Cyborg's plot at all. You couldn't tell from the first cut, um, mm -hmm. and that was really the damning part about the first movie. Is this, these characters felt just undeveloped, uncared about throughout the process, and that's definitely mm -hmm. the difference you see with the the new one. Mm -hmm. And from what I gather is the um, with the theatrical cut, there is a lot of studio drama behind it. And, you know, and the fact that Zack Snyder start, suddenly lost his daughter to suicide and rather wait for him, you know, to, you know, to, um, you know, grieve, you know, get his, you know, get his family together before returning on the project. They were just like, all right, let's just scrap about 90 percent of his work and let's get Joss Whedon in on this because there is mega success with the first two Avengers movies that he did. And this will just clear everything up. And as we can see, that didn't work. That didn't work out too well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough too for obviously Snyder went through that kind of tragedy. Um, mm -hmm. And the studio is kind of forcing a new person to kind of finish the, the recipe there. But you know, it's, it wasn't Whedon's movie. He had, he had to just jump in and, piece together what footage was there maybe film a couple of things it's i i can't imagine that's an easy thing for any kind of uh even seasoned director to just piece together a movie that they had no original vision for just it's not a mm -hmm. recipe for success at all mm -hmm. i agree and uh again we don't know how much of a role whedon played i know there was i've read recent articles that whedon uh was called out by several of the people on set including the actors as not being the best person to work with uh, which mm -hmm. came to light quite recently. So, again, I don't know how much of that is true. If it is true, that's really unfortunate. Um, it makes the it makes this cut even better 
because now mm-hmm. the actors finally got to come back with Zack Snyder and, and put out the product that they wanted to initially. Um, but yeah, the like you said, Randy, Randy, uh, this felt like a completely different movie. It almost felt like um, they were just the studio. I think it's WB, right? Who owns the rights to to the DCEU? Yeah. They were just like, okay, well, Avengers was successful. Let's just take that guy, plug him into our film, which is like the Avengers of our universe, and uh, we should be good, right? Cash cow. Uh, I mean, there there really isn't going to be much of a difference. Audiences nowadays don't care, right? They just want to see really flashy slow-mo scenes, their favorite heroes, and call it a day and go home, right? And uh, I'm so glad they were wrong uh, because, I mean, I like Whedon. I like a lot of Whedon's work. Uh, obviously, yeah. Avengers 2, I thought, was terrible. Uh, I thought that was the weakest <laughs> Avengers film, hands down. Probably one of the weaker Marvel films in general, hands down. Uh, but it's kind of like we said, Randy, it's, it's a little tough for a director to come in in any capacity midway, almost past midway up through a project and expect them to, to turn it out into something amazing. Uh, so really just WB was the biggest, the biggest reason why this movie flopped in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, I don't know if it's due to the pandemic and them having to switch to streaming without, you know, being happy about it or, or what, but. I'm glad this actually came to fruition with a four-hour runtime. I don't think this would have ever happened in movie theaters otherwise. I'm sure they could have broken it down into two parts, but I mean, I've only ever seen Avengers do that from what I remember. Maybe the Matrix movies, the last two, but it's not really something you see quite common uh, in movie theaters. So I think it's just a product of the unique times we live in again, and uh, I was happy. I was happy it kind of came together into this beautiful uh, recreation of, of a project that everyone thought was unsalvageable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And before we get into spoilers, let's just let's talk about the Zack Snyder cut. So, uh, MK, how did you feel about this uh, version of it? Oh, I loved it, man. It, it, it was... <laughs> I I even have to admit, I was skeptical going into it. You know, I thought, you know, it was just going to be... I thought it was going to be a mixture of Joss Whedon and Snyder's um, reshoots in it. I thought it was going to be like a Frankenstein project. Right. Like, oh, we finally get this. We finally get the Snyder cut. You know, let's just see how much more accelerant they poured on this um, dumpster fire. But no, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I was really happy to see Dark Side. I think that really um, excited me. Yeah, yeah. They they did a good job making him feel like you know the Thanos of that universe. The looming threat that that's not there yet, but he's having his subordinates do some damage and his subordinates are strong, too. And that's that's exactly what that movie kind of needed, that overall threat to look forward to in their own saga. And I was yeah, I didn't think they were going to include him at all until those trailers popped. I'm like, OK, cool. Getting some dark side. Very epic cosmic proportion stuff might go down. Let's go. And I love Gal Gadot. I, I love Gal Gadot's own Wonder Woman. I think she's great. You know, we're we're not all right. We're all right. Um, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, doesn't exist. You know, let's just put that to the side. You know, <laughs> let's just let's just focus on um, Justice League Wonder Woman. You know, yeah, she was. You know, her performance was great. I loved um, the Flash. You know, he was great. I love that guy Ray Fisher as um, Cyborg. I yeah. think um, I think Ben Affleck was made to play Batman, and I get into this argument with a lot of. Um, Batman fans, you know, particularly those who are a fan of the Batman films, I say objectively, this Batman has the best combat that you've seen in any other Batman movie. You know, he, he actually moves 
like what you saw, like what you would see in the animated movies and the animated television series and even the comics. You know, it was yeah. it was actually smooth and um, it's actually smooth. But like if you look at someone like Christian Bale, it's really stiff and robotic. So, yeah. And I like um, I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman in this. He's not the goofy jock like he was in the Whedon version. Like they're tr- they're really trying to make him into DC's version of Thor. Yep. And I like how he developed his own personality in this, you know. All in all, I think it was a good movie. You know? it, yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah, very fair. And I, I doubled on what you say about the whole Batman comeback. I think it's, I think it's very clear. Like none, none of the past movies focused on the martial arts and athleticism of Batman in costume as much as even BVS and Justice League did. He actually fights mm-hmm. like a martial artist wearing armor. That's that. That's his mm-hmm. style. Um, and as much as I loathe BVS, that was the best part of it is seeing Batman kick some ass. He actually looked like a threat versus, you know, Christian Bale's like you have to turn his whole body just to look behind him and catch yeah. someone. It's way, now, way more stunning. <laughs> now, did you watch the BVS um, Ultimate Cut? I've not watched that one. Okay, you'll have to watch the BBS Ultimate Cut because, like, um, because like the Ju- Justice League theatrical cut, there was a lot of stuff missing. Uh, I mean, forty-five minutes of footage missing. You know how in the beginning of the movie, how you're in Africa in Sahara Desert, you're wondering what the hell is this have to do with the story? They actually <laughs> yeah. tell you why they are in the Sahara Desert in the beginning of this movie. That, you know, that's a good start. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good start. Right. And after watching that movie, uh, you dealt develop more of an appreciation for Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. All right, fair enough. Uh, might as well, you know. Like I, I doubted Justice League's cut, so I, I'll I'll give BVS that benefit of the doubt too. I still have to watch that cut too, man. Because uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. I don't, I don't think that was the best pick, but um, that's mm-hmm. also because I saw it without that extra footage to kind of do it justice, like the characters being done justice pun intended um so i i i will definitely check out the uh what is it called the uncut version the extended version whatever it's called i'll, I'll definitely check it out the martha scene found... still in it yeah <laughs> save martha <laughs> save martha yeah they didn't get rid of that <laughs> but i will say this Nothing i think my favorite scene my favorite action scene of all time in any dc project was the scene where Batman is going to save Martha where he's fighting all those dudes in the mm-hmm. room. It feels very much like what Batman should have been in an animated series. Exactly. It had that same vibe to it. And exactly. he was taking on multiple opponents at once instead of like the Christian Bale Batman taking on mm-hmm. one guy at a time. Um, mm-hmm. So this is definitely the Batman that I'm used to seeing in the animated series. So it was mm-hmm. really nice to see that. And it, and it made sense, right, why he was fighting so furiously because in a way, you know, not sharing the same name included with that it was as if he was trying to save his own mother right he never got a chance mm-hmm. to, try to save his own parents but he had a mm-hmm. chance to do it here when when superman had asked him to so i really did enjoy that one thing i also wanted you to bring up man is you actually told me this i had no idea but you said thanos actually came after dark side and it's from the same creator right i be- yeah i believe they're from same creator jack kirby mm-hmm. um yeah because yeah that's that's another point i want to bring up because a lot of people who are unfamiliar with DC properties, you know, who are more on the lines of um, Marvel, 
when they see this movie, they're going to automatically think Thanos, you know, DC's copying off of Thanos. No. Thanos is modeled after um is modeled after Darkseid. So um yeah, so when you go into this, you have to think, you know, like we're looking at the archetype here for like the cosmic baddie in um in in the comic book in co- American comic book can. So yeah, that's, sure. that's I think one thing that, you know, people should go into with the open mind with this. This is not a ripoff of um, the Infinity Wars. This is his own thing. If anything, Darkseid is much more menacing than um, Thanos because Darkseid, his whole thing is conquering and subjugation and misery and feeding off of that misery. They try to give Thanos a degree of nobility in um, for his motives in the in the Marvel in the Marvel um, Infinity um, Wars movies, which is still. A contrast to his comic book um, um, counterpart, where he's just a raving lunatic going to world's world, killing people, yeah, the mad to appease Lady Death or whatnot. Yeah, so yeah, different characters for sure, um, and that's a good, that's a good uh, good tidbit there of uh, you know who came first, and they have you know vastly different kind of power scales. Darkseid is in his own nebulous, really. Yeah, Darkseid um, is yeah. just oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Darkseid is. <laughs> He'll smack Thanos around like it's nothing. I mean, yeah. there's no comparison. I think there was actually a, a death battle on that on that YouTube channel, Death Battle, where they did you mm-hmm. know Dark Side versus Thanos, and you know, spoiler alert, you know, Thanos got his ass whooped because yeah, it's Dark Side <laughs> as it should yeah. be, as it should be. And at least this movie, this the cut, it it does Dark Side a little way more justice. You know, he's he exists. Mm-hmm. He, you know, everyone saw how strong Stephen Wolf was compared to the regular league members, and you know he's just a minion compared to mm-hmm. Darkseid. So that's a, you know, if they decided to continue with the series, uh, then that's something to look forward to of how these, you know, gods among men can compete against the the gods of gods. You know, um, exactly. Yeah, and you saw how it took like mm-hmm. about you know a few of the old gods to just take out on dark side himself so you know you had like three greek gods trying to um trying to um trying to you know pounce on dark side yeah that just gives you a degree of how powerful it is yeah a a little taste of that a little taste of that and you know we might as well just dive explicitly into spoilers at this point so let's do uh spoilers Mm -hmm. for Zack snyder's justice league starting now um Mm -hmm. and i think that was actually one of my favorite scenes it was just seeing the the old heroes fight Darkseid and his crew. That was mm. I didn't expect them to show like Zeus and I think it was Ares throwing it mm. down against Darkseid. That was fucking epic. Exactly. Yeah, that, was, that in itself was a massive improvement. You know, it was Steppenwolf it? in the theatrical cut. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That was already right, a fundamental yeah, yeah. difference for me because they in the in the theatrical theatrical release they banded together just to beat Steppenwolf, which always mm. seemed weird to me because he got yeah. he got murked. By uh, by Superman at the end of the theatrical cut, so it made mm-hmm. it less impressive that everyone had a band together on Earth just to beat Steppenwolf. But in this one, it exactly. makes more sense, right? They had to fight mm-hmm. someone who was as powerful as Darkseid, so mm-hmm. you know it had that very epic Lord of the Rings feel for feel to it, where they all have to come together to fight at Helm's exactly. Deep. Like that's the vibe I got from that exactly. scene. I really enjoyed it. There was a third god. What was it? Was it uh, was it was it Artemis? Like I can't remember. I believe it was Artemis. It was Artemis, Ares, and Zeus. We saw um, fighting Darkseid head on. Yeah, and uh, Zeus had that epic Leonidas-looking 
design. He did. Yeah, that. Yeah, I was thinking, who does he remind me of? Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. snap, you know, <laughs> this is Sparta. <laughs> Which is yeah, a fair, you know, it's, it's 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 a young Zeus, so it's like, yeah, I like that yeah. change up. It's not like the the old white bearded kind of one we're used to seeing in art depictions and yeah, Disney that's movies. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking for. I was like, oh snap, that's King Leonidas. Yeah, you got like some kind of red electricity going on. Like this is dope as shit. I'm like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Let's get let's get that movie. I want to see I like Wonder Woman against movie. them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that old mm-hmm. lantern who got murked, and you see the ring go away. Um, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that too because it finally power scales in a in a very sensible way. Because mm-hmm. before it made the old gods seem really weak in comparison, right? Which mm-hmm. I didn't re- didn't really sit well with me because the old gods are are still very powerful, right? So mm-hmm. it was it was more be. believable to see them, yeah, being able to compete with Dark Side and being the reason why they beat Dark Side or one of the reasons why they beat Dark Side. So that mm-hmm. to me was already better uh, yeah. in comparison to the theatrical cut. Um, so it was cool to see that in action and it kind of power scales Wonder Woman a little bit better uh, because now when you see her um, being able to solo Steppenwolf in the beginning of the film, it's like, okay, Steppenwolf is, is actually more of a viable threat now because we saw just how powerful the old gods were and Wonder Woman is essentially an old mm. god in terms mm. of level of strength. So I really, really appreciated that scene, the way they just they tweaked it, right? But it, the outcome was vastly different at that point, so... Shoutouts to the old gods. I loved being able to finally see them. Um, mm-hmm. And Darkseid, man, he uh, they still they still made him look like a badass, even though he lost in that flashback. So I, I did like mm-hmm. the attention to detail there in terms of each character's power scaling. And that was pre-Omega effect Darkseid. Like, that was pre-Omega um, beams. Now, if he had Omega beams, that battle would have had a significantly different outcome. <laughs> I'd imagine so. That's always a signature of like, yep, I can just, it's like your laser, Superman, except way better. Look at where all they can go. <laughs> Look at all these directions. Yeah. Cut through the entire army in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is true. It would be able to do that, right? Be able to just mm-hmm. go through everyone simultaneously. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like the, um, that, um, that whistling arrow from Garden Galaxies. Yeah. <laughs> Same effect, but you know, on a Omega God level. <laughs> I was just about to say that, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, so, that was that was a fun scene for sure. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just flat out say, and, and maybe it's too early to talk about this, but I, I'm I'm just gonna get my gripes out of the way now so that we don't mm-hmm. we can just keep talking about what we liked about the movie. Sure, go ahead. But people deserve to know, you know, what we thought in terms of negative and positive. And no movie's perfect. So take these exactly. gripes as just that gripes. I thought overall the movie was fantastic, but to me, one of the things I really disliked, uh and and again, this is a nitpick, I really hated how they kept reusing Wonder Woman's theme every time she did something. To yeah, me, it, yeah, it, yeah. I got really tired really quick of hearing the Xena wailing. The Xena wailing, exactly. The, the what it, I forgot how the captions labeled it, but it was lamenting just like, wailing or something. <laughs> lamenting Amazonian music or something. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like every time, every time they just had to play that song. It, it was it, it got me to the point where I was conditioned to believe that even when I saw her doing something casual. That they were gonna start playing that music in the background. Yeah, yeah. She's like I'm eating like, a donut just that and just play it again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it diminishes it. It diminishes the theme song. It, it should be tied to her about to kick some ass or something, right? Her and her and Amazonians about to do something epic. 
not you know in between scenes of them just having some smaller battles or whatever it, the theme should like, mean something <laughs> that's why you have them yeah like if you're up to me that that whole um that whole amazonian lamenting music or whatever they call it that would have just stayed on Themyscira. that was that had that that had that rustic sound that should have just stayed in that in that piece but when every time we would see Wonder Woman, I want to hear that Hans Zimmerman theme, that Hans Zimmer theme. Yeah, you right. Know, we heard. That joint was hard, you know, with that that crazy um, guitar riff and everything. Yeah, we sh- they should have kept that. I wanted to hear that more. You know, like when every time we see Superman, we hear his theme come up. But when every time we hear Wonder Woman, man, you know, I think, you know, it's like 1996 and Lucy Lawless is about to jump out of some <laughs> nowhere. You know, like- <laughs> Xena, man, that was a good show, though. Xena, hell yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, classic <laughs> but yeah. uh just shout out to lucy lawless man <laughs> yeah lucy lawless she was also in uh why oh, man i just saw her in something i can't remember what it was but oh man I'll, I'll i'll think about it but just to finish up my my gripe on this there was also some scenes with wonder woman that i just really thought were unnecessary um mm-hmm. i think you and i discussed one about one of these uh beforehand cam but in the beginning, mm-hmm. when they're introducing her again, and she's stopping the uh, the European terrorists from blowing up all the children, at the mm-hmm. end, the girl was just like, "Can I be just like you?" And she's like, "You can be <laughs> anything you want to be." It felt very Captain. Yeah, Planet it was kind of forced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very corny, very cheesy. And but that one wasn't the bad one. To me, the one that was just really nonsensical, and it had just no reason to be in the film, was when Steppenwolf is fighting uh, Wonder Woman, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Leave her to me." And then they have this weird, corny shot. It looks like it's coming straight out of a Mortal Kombat intro, where she looks at the screen and she's just like, <laughs> "I belong to no one." I was just like, "What?" This first Message. of all, what what does that have to do with anything that's yeah, going on in the context of the scene? There's this poor writing. Those instances that you can give her something yeah. better to say. You know, like I I'm all for promoting. Like, yeah, you know, little girls, you can be badasses, but it's like exactly have her be. A little more interesting when she talks, you know. Write something a little hey, bit better than that. And don't lie to the little girl. No, you can't. You can't be, be a like guy. Woman. You can't. Yeah, you, you can't, can't be. A you can be a badass man. warrior. Sure, you could be like one of my yeah. sisters, but you, you can't be me. Yeah, go in the military <laughs> or something. But you know, yeah, you ain't gonna be, you know, some five thousand year old demigoddess. Nah, ain't gonna happen, little girl. <laughs> know your limits. Know what you can do. You can kick ass, but not like me. And, th- and then the final accepts thing. his limitations. Exactly, exactly. And then the final thing that really bugged me is I hated the music in this movie. Uh, it just, it just didn't fit a lot of the time. And the only song that did fit yeah. was Wonder Woman's theme, and to me, it was just overused. So I think, mm-hmm. I think the music was poorly, poorly. That was up. Snyder right there. That was, you know, Snyder. He has that weird thing in all of his movies. Like he did the same thing in Watchmen. You remember, like he would have like those weird segments where slow mo. You hear some like. 60s or 70s pop music playing you're like what the hell's going on here? yeah yeah he yeah he, he put the snyder imprint in every place uh i guess along the yeah. same lines of you know gripes i had there's so many slow-mo five minute shots of just superheroes mm-hmm. standing and mm-hmm. i hated it i just straight like mm-hmm. there's one scene it was like aquaman coming from the bar just standing on the pier looking at the ocean it felt like i watched him look at the ocean for 10 minutes in at least and, seventeen different angles. <laughs> and what was that other part where um that was it when they when 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 Bruce went to go um look for Aquaman, and you know they were talking on the way out to the beach, and Aquaman's like, "Nah, I'm not going to join you." Swims off, and you had those I- Icelandic girls just start singing and yeah. whatnot. 
That too. <laughs> like, what, is it like some kind of cults of Aquaman? Like, are they praying yeah. to him? Do they think he's yeah. a deity? What? Why? Why? Why are they having this solo moment right here? <laughs> to me, I that very much. I think felt. he might have smashed the night before or something because the way she picked up his sweater and started sniffing you know, it, yeah, sniffing it, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, like, you know, some it did feel that way. <laughs> That's how you know someone's into you when they start smelling your sweater That's and a singing song. a five-minute yeah. song about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as you now, swim away. <laughs> I, you know, that whole scene to me seemed like straight out of Midsummer. It did seem like Midsummer. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> they some weird custom, like, all right, our God of the Sea is going away. He won't be able to smash for a while. So let's sing him, <laughs> sing him his song, <laughs> the song of our people. It's uh, so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was called the Seaman's Lament. I like Seaman's it. Lament. No. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the worst crime of the whole like the self indulging, I think is probably the best way to describe those scenes. I think is I think it was the end shot of all the heroes standing side by side by side, all six of them. And I kept thinking it was, was the, the pan would I, I, I kept thinking the pan was gonna end and then they would just linger for another like thirty seconds after each angle. Mm-hmm. It's it was it was too like I think the trope is at the end of a superhero, you'll see like Spider Man swinging through yeah. the city in New York City or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot. And that's, you know, it, it mm-hmm. is what it is. But it's like, yeah. at least that shows that like he, he's going to go do something. They're just basking mm-hmm. in whatever just happened for a long time. And it's just a style that just, it, it grates me. I think that was probably my right. only only criticism of this movie besides be uh, some music stuff. To be fair, to be fair, the way they took out Steppenwolf. I would just stand it out there and bask in my glory too, because that was badass the way they yeah. took him out compared to the theatrical release. The finale. You know, I don't remember is how they. Epic. Yeah. I don't remember how they killed him in that. I don't remember how they killed him, but you saw how, like in the theatrical release, you know they used Superman as like a Deus Ex Machina. Everybody was getting their asses whooped, and here comes Superman, and he takes out Steppenwolf within five minutes. And in this yeah. one, you see everybody get a hit. You know, then Aquaman comes from behind and. You know, impales him with the um, with the trident, throws him backwards, and here comes uh, Wonder Woman with the finishing blow, decapitates him. You're like, oh, yeah, this is vicious. Yeah. Which is yeah. beautiful, that right? That was yeah. great. It's Aquaman's character perfectly, right? Because he's yeah. just like, I'm a straight up warrior. I don't take chances. If I have, a, if I can kill you, I will kill you. Um, and they that to me made Aquaman infinitely better in this movie yeah. than in the theatrical cut. Because in the theatrical cut, he barely did anything, right? Mm-hmm. I think he barely kept back the water from the scene with the Nightcrawler. And even then, I was just like, "He's isn't he supposed to be Atlantean? He can't control some water from flowing exactly. towards the, the Nightcrawler. So I was very disappointed with Aquaman in the theatrical cut. And this one, I was like, that's on brand for Aquaman. That's perfect. He just mm-hmm. like sneaks up on the dude and he kills him, as you should, at Warrior. Why would you, in DBZ style, let them power up and flex on you all the time? It's like, no. If I see mm. my chance, I'm gonna take it, and it, I mm. thought that was super believable. I I love that scene, and mm. uh, one thing that felt a little weird for me, maybe you guys could tell me your opinion, was um, in all the previous DC films, you don't see the heroes killing anybody, right? I mean, you you okay? Maybe Man of Steel is the exception because he has to kill Zod at the end, but he really doesn't want to. But yeah, I wasn't mad one, at that. Yeah, and then in this one. They just, they're savages. There's like, a lot of death in this one. It's just straight yeah. up like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like hundreds of people are just dying. I think that's going to be like a new trend going on because, you know, 
dark, dark superhero stories are starting to really become, you know, a demand. And that's what kind of, you know, kind of, um, you know, st- steered me away from um, Marvel because it's too happy, too colorful, you know. But in this, man, it feels like the stakes are real. You know, folks are dying left and right. You know, folks are getting injured. You know, that's what I like to see in a superhero story. Yeah, and like the the most uh, wholesome character, as I like to put it, Wonder Woman just chops a dude's head off, like with, without without even hesitating, just lops his yeah. head off. Boom! At the end, of at the, the end of day, she's an Amazon, so and that's all they do is kill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, them versus Stefan. I'm like, yeah, like maybe Batman doesn't need to kill like humans like he did in BVS or like it looked like he did, but uh, Stefan, <laughs> yeah, cut off his head. That's fine. He already threatened that he already killed like your sisters and your mother, so. That's, it was relishing in it too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a fair death, but yeah, that finale, that that, that one moment of them all getting the blows felt like a like a combo video game finisher that that you can mm. get with like a like a Marvel versus Capcom or even Shippuden. It's like all right, all the characters get their final blow in, um, and even before that happened, you have the 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 wonderful moment of the heroes failed. They technically failed, and then you exactly. use. The only character that can actually help save the day, which is Flash, and they they mm-hmm. they do a good job. They actually give him a storyline. You know, they have the whole. Flash was the MVP of this. I movie. loved Flash. Yeah. I loved. They gave him the whole like, "Hey, here's my dad" thing. The classic Flash storyline. The whole like, "This is what I'm interested in. I had this one rule I don't break. Here's my power sets." And then they let him do that thing. They let him do that Flashpoint kind of moment of everything went to shit. Run, run, and the run, Barry. Effects. Yeah, like the special effects were just brilliant for um for stat uh, for um Flash. I mean, looked real good. I like the way they did it. Yeah, man. And Ezra Miller did his thing. Um, I was watching with my mom, and she thoroughly enjoyed his character. Like he was funny. He was a bit quippy. You know, I, I really enjoyed Ezra Miller in this movie. I think I think I think when um his movie drops, I'm going to enjoy that too. But I just love the effects of the Flash. Like it wasn't the generic. You know, I'm just running real fast. You see the lightning. Um, you see the lightning bolts. You see how things go on slow mo. I think that was a perfect execution of Snyder's um, slow mo technique, and I think you know. Yeah. I think that's why he really. Um, you can tell he's a huge fan of the Flash, and he really wanted to do this for the Flash, make something fresh and different. Absolutely, um, I will say this: this was a point of debate between you and I, Randy. Here, uh, maybe Cam, you can tell us what you think. I thought Steppenwolf's design was great, but I hated Cyborg CGI. But I think Randy is of the opinion that he hated both of their designs right like it was just too much they were trying to do too much with the cgi mm-hmm. and there's a really- lot mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of cg on the surface that you can see with stuff like because his armor is so intricate it has it yeah. looked like thousands of different parts that kind of like expanded like gills and mm-hmm. it, to me i just noticed way too much cg on the surface of him and cyborg they like they, they were cut from the same cg tool mm-hmm. um so for me it didn't yeah. work it looked it looked way too baked um from a, like i would love more actual aesthetics instead of what they had to do because if they had to make it move therefore they added so much digital on it so for me it didn't work it, it wasn't a good drip for me at least like okay <laughs> like i didn't mind i didn't mind it too much um because i know what they're trying to do with this cyborg like this cyborg's aesthetic is based primarily off of the new 52 um cyborg yeah where he is more where he's more mechanical than he is organic and that he is pretty much uh uh, um, like a inter- um, 
integrated with um, human technology and apocalyptic technology with the mother box. So that's what they're going for. Yeah. Like I would have rather, I, I prefer the Teen Titans model of, um, of um, Cyborg Ooh, yeah. myself. Yeah. I like the way that look, I like that look better, but I didn't really mind it. And I thought that Stephen Wolf's um, improvements were, you know, much more satisfying than what we saw in, the yeah, the, release. He was, just, the, he was just garbage in the theatrical release. It yeah, yeah just, exactly. The theatrical yeah, release, Stephen Wolf did not look threatening at all. He looked goofy yeah. as fuck. Like, I thought this, <laughs> this Stephen Wolf looked mm. like a legit alien monster who was just mm. really powerful shiny. and really did jack you up. Yeah, very shiny. Uh, maybe too shiny, right, Randy, in, in your opinion. But, uh, guys, that's another difference between the Zack Snyder cut and the Whedon cut, man. We didn't get that, that classic booyah line from Cyborg. How do you guys feel about that? I, you know, I, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. There was the one moment where he said like a hell yeah that I felt like was probably a, the yeah. original booyah. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It like didn't, it didn't hit the same. But on the flip side, is I love what I love what they did with Cyborg in this movie because I don't even see why they even bother having still have him in the theatrical release. I mean, yeah. since they cut was, out like about ninety percent of his role, he was a nothing character. Um, that that's what they've written for him. This, nothing. you know, he was. He was integral to the damn story in this, you know, him and his father. I like the, I like the whole um, dynamic between he and his father. The whole um, story between them was all about them reconciling, reconciliation. And uh, that brings me to a gripe. That brings me to a gripe that we were discussing earlier. Oh yeah, I know where this all is right. going. All right, all right. So like, remember when um, Cyborg was having his flashbacks to when. He was, you know, in the principal's office and his mother was in a conference with the um, principal. Mm-hmm. You know, he got in trouble for changing a girl's grade. And um, the mother was like, well, don't you know that she's she lost her home last year and she's been struggling and he helped her. You guys didn't. I'm like, that's not that's not the school's responsibility. You know how many homies I have who, you know, who, who are homeless and, you know, still manage to make still do their work. And, you know, he let's be real. He was being a simp. <laughs> he was trying to get some ass. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, girl, I can save you. <laughs> Give me a few, you know, what's that? What's that? Do you got that? I'll, I'll, I'll raise that to a B. You know, we good, right? You know, like let's be real here, man. That you know that that part was unnecessary, and and and, and that kind of takes and, and that put unnecessary ire between more necessary ire between he and his father because it was already there that there was contention between the two because his father was an absent-minded scientist. You know, he was more concentrated on his work, and in the comics, the mother was already dead. So that's, you know, that was the way the father was coping with the mother dying, mm. you know, focusing on his work. And this caused greater distance between his son. And what I got. So what I got kind of with this was like, yeah, you have his mother here. You know, they're trying to posit that the mother is inherently the better pre- parent than the father. I'm like, all right, I, I see what you're kind of going with this, but it's not going to work. I mean, she didn't need to be in there. That I don't even think that scene needed to be in there, period. I mean, it was good enough that, you know, you know, the father and son had their certain issues that they, you know, they didn't need to add anything else to it. You know, that was my main gripe with that. Yeah, yeah and that's I, interesting. I, I, yeah. And, and I'm just going to quickly say my piece, Randy, and then I'll hand it over to you. But yeah, I agree. I, th- I think on top of that, the thing I really didn't like about that scene was that they were trying to show 
that he loved his mother, right? His mother was this really great person, really smart person. But her argument was really dumb. Uh, and I think it took away from her character, right? Because it, it, at that point, when I heard her say that line, I'm like, his mom's just an, an enabler. Like, what? what is Yeah. This? They could have picked a yeah. better situation to show that the mother goes at bat for her son, but also teaches him morals about caring about people. This did exactly. not accomplish that for me. So I don't know. I think I think it's just another example of maybe them not paying attention to certain scenes as much as they should have in terms of writing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I could have done without that whole scene with the principal and the mother. What do you think, Randy? Yeah, I guess I'm mixed on it. I like I like I I accept the whole like he's a teenager. Like all right, I'm just help my help my friend out. She's struggling. I'm gonna give her an A. I feel like it wasn't too like morally like irresponsible of Cyborg. That sounds like something I would have done if I had some kind of skill set like that at 16, 17, whatever. Like, all right, well, yeah. To get the ass. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Either for ass or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, let's be real here. If, if, if I had to imagine, it was just like, because what I also imagine there's a lot of students like that. So I, I think I would have preferred he went farther with it. You know, like, yeah. hey, like, let's, like, my whole class, like, our teacher is some kind of asshole or whatever. Like, I don't want them to miss out on good schools. Let me just change this whole class up one letter grade. So I actually wish they would have went farther. Like, it's not just one person he's looking after. He's like, yo, I have my whole classes back. Like, I'm their captain right now. So I would have rather they go farther in that direction just because um, that, that can kind of show his hacking skills. And then it, it seems more moral than, you know, just one person. Um I and I I like the point though of the mother dying should have been a catalyst for a, a change in behavior for the father. I think that would have been a better direction of you know he was semi there beforehand. Once the once the mother dies, he's trying to cope by creating distance, which is kind of like a, a classic father trope. You kind of seen it in um in Ant Man that whole situation of losing his wife and became more distant with his daughter. I think that would have been a good catalyst. That's kind of like how us men are, you know. When men, we're, when we're upset with some, we don't like to do a whole bunch of talking. We just like to go off in our space and just work on what we're doing. You know, keep our minds occupied. So, like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that would have been a good trope. Other than that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I also like that through line with Cyber. I felt like he actually got like thirty to forty minutes dedicated to him and his father. Mm-hmm. Um, everything about that was great. It was a classic, you know. Like I, you can already see it coming once he had the tape recorder and smashed it before his father gave him the from the father's advice. Like, okay, he's he's clearly going to die. Like, you start off with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, like start. Like, like I'm going to tell you how to use your powers after you hear my father's speech. <laughs> I know you want to hear that shit after that. He's like, dude, I already got the knowledge. Thank you. I can control everything in the world. Um, they also just made Cyborg explicitly incredibly powerful. Even off of this, mm-hmm. the exposition of what his powers are. He controls okay. literally everything in the advanced world. He can't do much in an old world, but in the world we mm-hmm. live in right now, he is arguably a extremely broken character. And I, I like that. Cool. Give him his own mm-hmm. specific power set as to why is he a god amongst men, which are you know typically what the DC characters are. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this thing like just when they were introducing him, it felt very Superman to me because he was saying the 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 issue here is not doing it's or the the issue here is not you having the ability to do these things. It's it's having the ability and then not choosing not to do it and abuse abuse those powers. So, yeah, I felt very Superman esque in terms of, you know, 
the whole speech of with great power comes great responsibility. I know that's from not from Superman, but it's the same message, right? So I really did appreciate that. Uh, they that was probably the biggest difference between the Snyder cut and the Whedon cut is they finally made mm. me care about Cyborg, right? Because initially, initially in the Whedon cut, he was just kind of thrown in there. He wasn't the strongest of the bunch, right? So mm-hmm. he really didn't have moments where I was just like, wow, Cyborg is a really cool character, a real integral part of this team. And uh, he's one of the reasons why they won. Like, I did not get that from the Whedon cut. And and that's why this movie needed to be four hours long, right? Because exactly. they needed time to make it believable that they finally came together as a team, were motivated to work together, and they all had mm-hmm. some reason to be there, right? That's and the chemistry I was get. good. I enjoyed the chemistry between the characters, you know. Yeah, it felt organic. Absolutely. And I don't need, and I don't need to have um, cyborgs powers, man. If I had cyborgs powers, man, all black people getting their reparations. Wake up the next morning, you have two million dollars <laughs> in the account. That's the cyborg movie I, I, I actually legit want. That I'm like, dude, next is you're helping our people, right? Like, <laughs> you're making it even yeah. for black people, poor people in general. You're just destroying capitalism, yeah. right? Like, cool. All you right, got, you got two million dollars in your pe- in your account. You good, right? All right, cool. <laughs> that's that's dead. That's what I want from a cyborg movie. Uh, <laughs> Everybody getting their money. That's that's it. That's it. Getting that stimmy, baby. <laughs> no student loans, man. Like he could have, he like he could wipe out student loan debt with it with with a thought, you know. Yeah. He can get rid of this the billion dollar crisis of student loan debt. Yeah, man, that's that, awesome. He can literally dismantle every government system in the world with that kind of thought of like, hey, if if like if he was like a socialist, a Marxist, and he can actually make yeah. that a civilization for everyone. There's a lot. There's like there's you can go deep with this kind of cyber power set. They might do something like that. They might do something like that in his own film. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hope they do. I hope they do. Once you stop the aliens, all right, cool, fix humans. Yeah, because I think Ray Fisher is going to be a star after this. You know, like you didn't, you know, you didn't. He didn't get a chance to shine in the theatrical release, but this one, yeah, he did his thing for sure. That's for true. sure, and it doesn't look like he, you know, he had, you know, it sounds like very reasonable beef uh, with production, specifically Whedon. Doesn't sound like he wants exactly. to come back. Still, I don't know if that might change if. You know, Snyder gets more love from uh, the numbers, powers that be. When, them, when, that, when that money starts looking right, oh, he gonna come back. Yeah. <laughs> he could, he could, but you know, if not, yeah, he can always jump tomorrow. He could jump to his own thing. Uh, yeah, he was great. Really, there's there's no weak. The, I think the only character that I was still disappointed in was the Lois Lane character. She still was not needed. She still was put in. I forgot what they call. It. I think it's like fridging when like a woman's character in a movie seems to only exist to motivate the man to do X. And that was still what happened with her character. She was mostly just like, I can't live without Superman for the majority of her small arc until like maybe a little bit at the end. She was like, okay, maybe I'll get back into journalism just a little bit. But mostly it was just like, well, Superman's whooping our ass. Lois, can, can you stop him from kicking our ass? Yes, I can. Here's a hug. And then that, that's, that I was can- mostly it. <laughs> Power of love. Like, man. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't really. Yeah, I wasn't really that mad at that because, like, if you experience loss, yeah, you just don't feel like doing anything. You know, you're just in this. You're just like pretty much living in your own apocalypse the whole time. You know, you're just looking for something to help you branch you out. And here she is. You know, like, you know, the first was a Batman. Um, no, Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. You know, she kind of you know developed this relationship with Clark Kent. And just when things were getting real between the two, you know, like he proposed her, you saw her with the ring and everything. Dude dies. Sure. 
Yeah. 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 That. Was, that yeah. So. Oh um, yeah. I'll, and I, I'm totally cool with her grief. Like that. That makes sense. I want to see her process of grief, but give her something to mm-hmm. do other than be the catalyst for Superman to be good again. Like that's that was her main purpose. Like you, we see her grieving. Ultimately, what she does is helps Superman come back to the fold, which is important for literally saving the world. But I just wish they gave her like that badass like flashpoint paradox you saw in the dc animated version of lois lane where she's in the trenches like she can grieve and they realize that she has a role to play an active role so whatever it could be to write her in to say listen i'm a badass journalist i can get down into trenches be with the boys and fuck shit up too i really wanted that for her they couldn't carve out that kind of story but that's probably my other character that she she deserves more respect i think in the in future snyder flicks if that exists and speaking will, of, uh, you know, no, go for it, man. Go for it. I, I believe she will. You know, um, she had her shine. She like she had her shine in Man of Steel and she had her shine in um, Batman versus Superman. Like she was pretty much the glue in that whole damn movie, especially if you watch the ultimate cut, you know. But I believe when, it, you know, I think this movie will be um, will pretty much be a stimulus to, you know, branch off more into the solo superman mythos so we're going to be seeing more of lois lane and i love amy adams i think she's cute and adorable i think she's a good lois lane you know uh, and yeah i think i think um i think i think she served her purpose in this movie you know because this really wasn't about you know her trying to trying to undercut un- uncover some serious plot because she did that in batman versus superman because she's the one who pretty much called luthor out so that's fair. Her, her, yeah. Her time was. This wasn't her time in this movie. Okay. Well, guys, I know we, I know we've been kind of talking about Lois Lane. This is a bit of a segue, but you mentioned Superman coming, Randy, and I really just wanted to talk about this because one of the things I noticed in in Zack Snyder's previous interviews about the Justice League and people brought up Kevin Smith's movie Mallrats. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mallrats, but. There's this one scene in particular in that film where one of the main characters is talking about comic books, right? And you know Kevin Smith, he loves comic books in real life, so he tries to implement those kinds of conversations in his films, especially his earlier works. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how how it's impossible for Clark Kent to actually procreate with Lois Lane, right? Because you see the pregnancy test in the drawer in one of the shots of the, Zna- the mm-hmm. Zack Snyder cut. And... Mm-hmm. People are debating this, right? Because the, the argument in Mallrats is what happens when, when Clark Kent ejaculates? Like he'll, It's like a shotgun blast. It'll just go right through <laughs> her body, right? He's, he, how can he control his strength? He, you would need someone with the genetics of Wonder Woman to be able to even feasibly reproduce with, with Superman. So how does that work? And then he ends the conversation with, I mean, he could wear a kryptonite condom, but then that would kill him. <laughs> so, so what do you guys think? I want to hear your opinion on this. Well, in the comics, I know after they killed off the 52 universe, because everybody hated that shit, and in Superman Rebirth, they retconned that stupid flaw that humans can't procreate with Kryptonians. So now in the comics, you actually have Superman with his, you know, legit son, Jonathan Samuel Kent. And he's a perfect hybrid as opposed to um, Superboy, Con L, who's an imperfect hybrid. And he pretty much has all of his powers with the potential to become more powerful than his father. So they kind of got rid of that. So, yeah. I, I, 
Yeah, like, yeah, it was about time for him to get rid of that stupid trope anyway. <laughs> I like that. I like so, to like, have the 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 thought that he can he has so much control over his body he can also control his his sperm velocity i think that's that's my theory is he he hold it <laughs> he can he can let the dribble he can just let the dribble come like a a gerbil's water bottle so that's my that's my take on that <laughs> and it's it's interesting because i think i read that ultimately what they wanted to do and it sounds like they won't because they kind of spoiled the behind the scenes thoughts is they wanted superman's son to become the like the next Batman or the next Robin for Batman, something like that. Um, but sounds like they might not do it since they're kind of leaking that thought that they had. But that would have been interesting. The whole, instead of like Batman versus Superman, it's like, you know, in this universe, we don't get the Robin. He's dead by the Joker's hands. Uh, but Superman, who is, was his arch or nemesis, maybe something happened to him where now Batman is the father figure to Superman's son. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. That would have been kind of I don't I haven't seen that personally in the comics. Obviously we get like mm-hmm. Batman's actual son as a Robin, but Superman's son? That would have been cool. And it's funny you brought up the Joker, you know. Um Jared Leto. Uh, let's we, yeah, we got the talk epilogue. About Jared Leto, like, that epilogue that, was that, the longest epilogue I've ever seen. And I was with it. I was I was totally with it. I was just surprised yeah. at how long that epilogue was. But Jared Leto's performance, man, that erased all the shit that we saw back in 2016 with Suicide Squad for me. I thought that was brilliant. That exchange, you know, you just felt that tension. You know, how Batman was like, you know, Harley Quinn told me before she died that she wants me to kill you real slow. And you saw Joker, like, looking at Batman in the eye. He was like, ah, you almost (laughs) had me there. You ain't going to do shit. <laughs> this, <laughs> that, this was a extremely better Joker. You know, the the, the yeah. small bits we got in that reshot. He clearly did his own homework, revisited his mm-hmm. own performance, and changed it. Mm-hmm. For one, you know, exactly. covered up the whole, like, really, really bad tattoos. Really, 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 really bad tattoos he had. And just went with mm-hmm. a, a, a Joker version. It was a legitimate Joker. Yeah. You, so you see this, the sadism in Joker's voice and what he says, how he still mm-hmm. wants to hurt Batman, even though they clearly are trying to save a world that is dying. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good performance. And I love that nuance of at first Joker was, he was, you can actually see him breaking his own character, not the actor, mm-hmm. but the Joker character himself wasn't the Joker in that one moment where Batman threatened him. He was a little worried, yeah. a little like, a little hurt, a little mad. And then he kind of reverted back to Joker. And that, exactly. that, that made everything about the whole visions of the apocalypse better because I, I want because mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're pretty much doing that injustice video game storyline and you know you have version mm-hmm. of it in the comics which it's great I love that storyline clearly Superman is you know the the badass of the heroes what if he was a villain cool perfect and the way that set it up the the collection of new heroes they have which is just a combination of villains and heroes perfect I love mm-hmm. that setup I would love to see that movie. Oh yeah, Al, you got discuss you got to discuss um your theory um that we were discussing earlier about the timeline bifurcation. Oh, absolutely. But before I get to that, I just want to talk a little bit about Jared Leto here cuz I have very mixed feelings here. Um just knowing what I know about the Joker, I heard a very interesting theory. Um I can't remember where it's from, but it was online. And they said that that takes place during uh Darkseid finding the anti-life equation. And the theory was that the reason why the Joker is there and he's he's a big asset 
is because Joker perfectly encompasses chaos, right? That's his whole mm -hmm. philosophy. He likes to create chaos. And I love that scene because it's just him and Batman going back and forth talking shit to one another, right? Right? He's just like, ah, remember when I killed your homie Robin? And then Batman's like, oh, remember when I killed your bitch Harley? He's like, come on. Come on. What you going to do about it? I'm going to fucking kill mm -hmm. you. No, you won't. Yes, I will. Just you wait. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just the biggest shit talking rival yeah. rivalry of all time. But mm -hmm. I feel a little conflicted because the, the theory I read online was that because he perfectly embodies chaos, the anti-life equation has no effect on him, right? Because he's just already embracing that disorder that Apocalypse is known for. So to him, it's just like another day. Like that's that's the environment he's used to living mm. in terms of his mental state. So I thought that was mm. interesting. Um, but I just don't know how believable it is for me if that's true and that the Joker perfectly encapsulates like following the rules of chaos. Why would he make a, trude, a truce with the Justice League to change anything? Right? Because that's perfect for Joker. He's That's yeah. like home yeah. for him. So why does he care about reversing timelines? Like to him, that shouldn't mean anything. So I love Jared Leto coming back and doing a better performance for the Joker. But even then for that scene, the writing just seemed. I think I see where they're going with it. I think I see where they're going with it because, you know, in order for there to be chaos, there has to be something to destroy. You know, there's nothing in this world. So I think Joker is like bored out of his mind. Like, yo, we got to go back to the way things were. You know, we got to get back to business. You know, I'll join you. I I'll, I'll help you with this thing here. We can work together on this thing here so we can get back to the way things were. But once we get back to the way things were, that's when, you know, it's back to business, you know, like, sure. I'm, you know, we're going to pay our cat and mouse game. You know, this is, you know, this is boring for me. You know, I can't live in this world anymore. There's nothing for me to do. There's nothing for, there's no one for me to terrorize. Nothing for me to destroy. Dark side did all that for me. He took all the fun out of it. So for this thing, yeah. we're going to work together so we can get back to the way things are, where you chase me and I make your life a living hell. <laughs> yeah. And obviously it's like you have to piece like because, you know, we got uh, who Deathstroke is up in there. There's there's a lot of characters there that you don't get the idea as to what happened to them. And I was I was with Alex there, too, of like this seems like the world for Joker. But I think you're right. I think Joker would like to be an agent of chaos. And if chaos is the new standard, then I don't think that's chaos anymore. I think that's yeah, a new I, normalcy. Yeah, what's the use for me? Yeah, like, yeah. Why am I here then? This take you took my thing away from me. Yeah. You know. So technically, he would need to disrupt chaos to create chaos in the new world order. So. Existentialism, existentialism, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there you go. And I, I would love that. I would love that movie to dive into that kind of psyche. Joker's the original hipster. He's like, I was the first one to embrace chaos. Okay. All you guys here now. The very first. Um, I also see what Zack Snyder was doing. Again, he likes to get a little dramatic. But this Joker almost seemed Messiah like with his long hair and just the way he was speaking to Batman in the beginning. They almost Joker made him seem Jesus. like like he was the Jesus of that world, like he was the prophet. He understood the world I'm around wise him. Man. Exactly. Exactly. So again, Probably what Snyder was going for. Did I like it? I don't know yet, um, but I know I did like it at least a lot more than Suicide Squad's portrayal of the Joker. Um, so that yeah. was that's where I stood on that. But here's the thing you were mentioning, Cam, and I, I'm going to present both arguments. Randy, you tell us which one you agree with, or maybe you have your own that you have a suspicion for. But we were talking about 
the biggest cameo in this film, which was Martian Manhunter, right? I don't think anyone expected to see Martian Manhunter in this film. They um, changed his name up and everything. Exactly. Right? And he's he's the big part of the Justice League. Even in the animated series, you have Martian Manhunter. And I think you were saying, Cam, that he serves more as like a, a watcher. A, yeah, yeah, a watcher of Superman. If he gets out of control, then he interferes. But other than that, he's just kind of in the background doing his thing. Um mm-hmm. So we were talking about the ending to the film, Randy, and we were saying, well, Martian Manhunter, right? That's his role. Um, so maybe, you know, Cam had an idea, MK had an idea that perhaps it was Martian Manhunter sending the prophetic dreams to uh, to, to Batman, right? Mm. And to try to change things. And I was like, oh, well, that is a telepath. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, that might be true because, you know, someone with the abilities of Martian Manhunter might be able to peer into alternate timelines and try to prevent them. That doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility. But then I was like, but I have a different theory, right? And I and you can tell me which one you agree with. But for me, right, when they when the Justice League fails, right, they, they the the Flash gets injured and I didn't even know he could super heal, but it, it like I thought that was cool. I thought that made a lot of sense, but he fails, world goes kaboom, and he has to reverse time. But here's the thing. Just like in Flashpoint Paradox, there's consequences to fucking with the timeline. So to me, I interpreted that scene as, okay, because he reversed time, there has to be consequences. So instead of reversing everything in the world that we know, what he did is he he split apart a timeline. So the timeline we see is a new timeline he created that split from the normal timeline where everything ends in a happy ending, at least for now. Mm-hmm. But the one we see with the Joker in the epilogue in the world, the new world of apocalypse, to me, that's where the movie starts off. That's the result of them failing with the mother boxes. <clears throat> and so in Batman versus Superman, you see Bruce Wayne getting that vision from the Flash. To me, that's what it is. It's Flash understanding what he did, separated two timelines, and he's trying to go back using his powers to warn Bruce Wayne about things to come if they fail. <clears throat> so to me, that was my theory. Gotcha. What do you? And I like how they mentioned that too. I like how they made, like um, did a throwback to that in this movie, like how Batman was like, yo, I remember sitting right here and Barry came out of this portal and was talking to me. You know, I like how they kept that theme going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They, and then, then it kind of makes everything else make sense of the whole flash doing the time reversal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. They keep that in, in mind. I... I think I have a slightly different theory, but it, it's what I thought too when I watched the movie, and a lot of it is based off Flashpoint Paradox, because if Flash doesn't reverse in time, then I don't think the characters we see in the epilogue would exist. Cyborg gets fried. We see him get reconnected um, when mm-hmm. Flash is going in reverse, but we also see him in the epilogue, so I don't think the mm-hmm. epilogue could be what happens after the mother box is successful, I think they they all have to be dead. Um, ba- like if, you, if Superman's getting ripped apart, then he's not the threat either. Maybe maybe you can say you know he created Superman, recreated him or something like that. But I think he wouldn't like recreate Cyborg and all that kind of stuff. I think they they would all be dead. So I do think that the epilogue is a splintered timeline. But I think the original timeline is this Earth is destroyed just like the rest of the planets. And the splintered timeline is that kind of time boom effect where. Okay, you stopped one tragedy, but another one now is going to take place because of the effects of the time boom flash effects. So 
Um, yeah, I do think it's a second, a separate timeline, but not we, the one that would have happened if uh, Flash and, never reversed. And when we go into timelines, you know, your writing has to be airtight. Like, yeah, um, it gets messy. Like there can't exactly there can't really be any room for error. Like Flashpoint, the comics and the animated movie did it beautifully. You know, here they're going to have to you know go to the drawing board and like see how we can actually fill this out. Because I've seen where they try to do bifurcated timelines and it really messes on itself. Like like an example, the Legend of Zelda series. They say there's three timelines in that game. Like it all stems from Ocarina of Time. Like there's a timeline when the hero time is successful. There's a timeline where the heroes of time dies. There's a timeline, you know, where the hero time, you know, says, fuck it, you know, I'm just gonna go home. You know, like it's you know, when you messing with timelines, it gives you so many different possibilities of where the story can go. And when you do that, you know, you you're, you kind of like have a dog that's out of control in the leash and he just like runs away from you. And like you're just trying to play catch up the whole time. So like right. they're going to do this. They're going to have to, you know, do this real airtight. You know, they might have to consult some of the, you know, some of the award winning writers who actually done like the animated series and like the comics like Paul Dini or somebody or Grant Morrison yeah. or Jeff Loeb. Like they're going to need some assistance with this because they have a real good thing going here. You know, the, you know, you know, this, the Snyder cut pretty much, you know, rekindled the interest of the DC universe for, um, for moviegoers and fans of this and fans of the, um, comics. So like, they're really going to push this forward if they're real, if they are actually going to, if they're actually now seeing a future for this. Yeah. And I think, it's you know it's messy with the actors. A lot of them not wanting to come back. I think they're planning on replacing Superman too, um, if I'm not mistaken on that front. I would love if they they're going to come if if they got those actors. They see that money. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, right? Like I, I know like Ben was going to get paid regardless, but he just quit on himself. He was he just couldn't handle it. He was going through his own shit, so he he dropped the Batman yeah. that went elsewhere. But I would love if they got them back for at least one more movie, and then you could reset the universe after Flash. Yeah, because that's that's exactly. the beauty of someone like Flash. You can bring them back for this apocalypse-like storyline. Flash realizes mm-hmm. he has to, you know, kind of erase a rule he broke before, or something like that, and just reset it so you can have, you know, the, the next the Batman. I forgot who's playing the Batman in the Batman, but it could be him in the main universe. It could be a different Superman, a different kind of cyborg. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the route I would like them to go. Bring back the originals. Do one more epic Justice League movie tied with the flash paradox and then reset it after that and you know do what you want in the in the 20 late 2020s 2030s but it's such a waste though because you know ben affleck is the batman you know that we've been waiting for yeah he's good these these are the you know the you know these characters you know you know they were done so well in this movie and they were also driving force behind the Zad- the, um, the Snyder Cut being completed because it wasn't just the fans. You know, the cast wanted this done too because they put mm. all this hard work into it for just to be scrapped. You know, that's fair. And yeah, yeah. I hope they do come back because Ray Fisher he was really good as um, Cyborg, and yeah. you know, a lot of folks are a lot of folks are saying like, "Yo, he was the he was the main guy behind this movie." You know, he's developing a fan base. 
So he might come back once he sees how much love he's getting. Hopefully, yeah. I think that'd, that'd be ideal. All the all the actors are like, okay, let's keep doing this. That would be uh, the best non-compromise version for sure. Mm. I agree. And uh, something interesting, Cam, if you could just elaborate on it. You were telling me that one of the things you really enjoyed about Martian Manhunter was the fact that if you look at the general he's imitating, it made a lot of mm-hmm. sense if you go back and watch Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the whole is like the is like from from Man of Steel. Was it the guy who plays him? Was it was his name Harry Lennox? Harry Lennox. I was thinking he kind of reminds me of John John Jones. Like he's a military guy. But he seems like a military guy with actually like a heart and spirit. Like he actually cares about what he's doing. I'm mm-hmm. like, this guy seems, yeah, this guy, yeah, there's something off about him. You know, is he an alien or, you know, is he, is he a superhero going to, um, is he a superhero is going to, you know, end up, you know, showing himself later. But then I was like, then when they showed that he was Man- Martian Manhunter, I was like, yo, y'all really got me. Because if they would have, because if his name was like Colonel General John Jones or something. Yeah, it would have been obvious been like, to yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. A lot of yeah. fans, at least. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that would have been like very obvious. But they changed his whole name and everything, like which makes sense because he's a shapeshifter. You know, yeah, he lived like about hundreds of different lives on Earth, and he is the last Martian. So you know, it was just interesting the way they did it. And if you see, if you watch the ultimate cut of um, Batman versus Superman, they actually showed more of him in there. You know. Mm. Um, you know, since you since like earlier you brought up um, how Lois Lane needed more of a um, needed, needed more of a role in um, in the Snyder Cut. Well, in Batman versus Superman, she was getting off his information. She was getting all of her information from him. You know, they were like really tight in that movie. So that's where you see. So that's where you see like him actually, you know, having a degree of empathy for her when he like takes the form of Martha to go console her and say, yo, you got to come back into the world. So, you know, like there was just something interesting about his character. When they revealed him to be Martian Manhunter, I was like, Oh, now I get it. This makes perfect sense. Cause why would he be so interested in every, um, in everyone's life? You know, he's a military guy. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's fair. shit. I actually forgot that was a scene in this movie, which actually confused me. I'm like, why does he care that much about Lois? Um, mm-hmm. Because that- it goes to the fact that, yeah, because it goes back to the, um, to the point that was originally made that he was kind of like Superman's caretaker from afar. He watched him grow from afar in the comic books from when he came to Earth to his adulthood until when he introduced himself to the world as Superman. So, you know. Sure. He was kind of trying to make sure that, you know, she because let's be real, man, like when it comes to men, you know, like when you have a good woman in your life, she is pretty much the one who keeps you in check. <laughs> I mean, so like, yeah, we see Superman without Lois. What happens? Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he definitely needs uh, he needs that moral compass. And um Yeah. Yeah, and I love that they introduce, uh, you know, again, Manhunter's character. And I I love Batman, like, finding that Earth-based hall for the Leaguers to be in because, of course, that allows... They even said it themselves for, like, and more, like, us and more. Because you can have Mm -hmm. Shazam and Manhunter. uh, You can have 
you know, all the Justice League Unlimited folks that, you know, I grew to love in those 2000s eras of that mm-hmm. of that uh, uh, cartoon. Um, I, I would love, like, ultimately, every t- when they first announced Justice League, the, the thought of that, I'm like, yes, do Unlimited. Make that be the long-term project of eventually you're just going to have literally all of these characters. And then maybe you could do, you could splinter off and have a Teen Titans, a Young Justice series, too. Um, mm-hmm. So I... Because I, I think they, they definitely performed their best, at least to general audiences, when they did things like Wonder Woman or Shazam. It just it focused on these characters that never got shine before. And there's it's, the, the well is deep in characters, so I just really mm-hmm. hope they, they double down on that. Cyborg is interesting. Uh, Blue Beetle's interesting. All these different Robins and Damien, they're interesting. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's Batman and Superman, we love them. We get it. They're cool. Yeah. Let's, let's do the rest of them now. Exactly, and we got to talk about another unsung hero in um in the Snyder Cut. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I love Jeremy Irons' Alfred. He's he cool. So, I like him. He was funny. You know, he's like, you get on my damn nerves. You know that, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he's always just tired of his shit, right? He's just like a yeah. yeah he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you're full of shit, man. You get on my damn nerves. You don't take your rich ass out of here and go do something. Man. You get on my damn nerves, man. Easily the best version of Alfred. Alfred. Easily, he, yeah, he, he felt easily, like a, a combination between uh, Lucius, Michael Caine and- yeah, Michael Caine and Lucius in the Dark Knight, and then a younger version of all that, just like sarcastic yeah. with Bruce. Like he, he doesn't mm-hmm. serve him tea the way like all the other Alfreds. Like, oh, so would you like yeah. a, a spot of tea, and I could tuck you in? And it was like, get your ass in there, man. Do something. Get your ass up. I'll get you tea, but like, mm-hmm. stop being an asshole. <laughs> he checks him. Yeah. He checks I- him. Exactly. I also like how Batman himself was like useless. I'm be I'm gonna be real. Christian Bale's Batman was technically useless. He didn't have one innovative um, you know, cell in his brain. You know, on this one you actually saw Batman building his shit and Alfred assisting him with it. Yeah. You know, like Yeah, one of the yeah, like, I really love the use of Batman in this because even in mm-hmm. his final fight scene, like I said, it, it perfectly when I saw him in the Batmobile doing his fucking thing especially in in mm-hmm. the i assume that giant's uh, aircraft turn. was the batwing <laughs> like was supposed to be the like the what's it called the batwing the flying car he has yeah the yeah. i really enjoyed that i was like okay this is vintage batman from the comics he mm-hmm. he does things his own way and uh mm-hmm. he understands his role he's like the de facto he's like he's got that leadership role to him so he's like all right i'll mm-hmm. do what i can here you guys take care of the rest because you're best suited for it yeah, and I absolutely love that scene where um, he has Alfred make the gauntlets that are supposed to copy yeah. Wonder Woman's gauntlets, mm-hmm. and she even makes the comment of like, "Okay, we'll just go ahead and make a lasso next. Just make sure it's in black." But I love that because that's Bruce <laughs> that Wayne. Yeah, funny. he sees something that's useful, like you said, MK, and he mm-hmm. he goes and he he replicates it, and that's what makes him such an important team member, right? And this, I remember, that, yeah, I remember I was watching this with my girlfriend, right. And she brought up a really good point. Two things. The first thing is Alfred, even though he's always checking Batman, he's got it the the he's got it the worst, right? Because everybody mm-hmm. he cares about, his only job is to see them fly off, and he doesn't know if they'll ever come back, right? So mm-hmm. that's already a sure. tough position. Mm-hmm. In. But one thing I really did enjoy was um just the importance they finally gave because he's the only real human, right? He's the. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have superpowers, obviously. And he accepted that too. 
that's a good point you're making because he accepts that. Like when you read comics and and you even watch the animated series, there's like kind of a degree of insecurity that yeah. Batman Inferity has. Complex he doesn't have powers. But yeah. in this one, in this one, when Flash asks him, "Yo, what is it you do?" He's like, "I'm rich." <laughs> and what? <laughs> yeah, it was a great joke, and you know. you're both exactly right. It was just. I understand I'm the support system, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the Tony Stark of the money side, at least. And yeah. I can support you guys, get you guys what you need, get you to the battle. I'll do some Batmobile mm-hmm. shit, let you do your thing because mm-hmm. you're fucking gods. <laughs> I'm a guy with a wallet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can, I'm your j- um, get out of jail free card. You know, I can buy the press, you know, so we can pump, pr- pump out our own propaganda, hyping our asses up. You know, I can buy weapons that will blow up the world. I can buy our hiding spot. You know, like, I'm the money. And I accept my role in this in this arrangement we have. You know? Exactly. And for the most part, I think that's part of the brilliant moment of that scene for me. Because I remember, again, I was watching this last night. And this, this scene came up where he's going off. He's like, I'll stay here. You guys take care of it. And... Then I think to myself, I don't know why everybody's worried about Batman in the Justice League. They have to keep it in context. He's a fucking human, and he's still alive. Like, at this point, mm-hmm. you should just trust Batman. I mean, mm-hmm. if he's still alive, only having wealth, essentially his detective skills slash knowledge, and his inventions, mm-hmm. and he's still here? Leave that man mm-hmm. to do his thing. I mean, come on. He's exactly. fucking Batman. Stop, stop worrying about exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah, he's been doing it. Long, he's been doing this longer than most of them. You know, he 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 pretty much said in the movie that he's been doing it for twenty years at that point. So we're getting like the older season Bruce Wayne, like the Dark Knight Returns Bruce Wayne. So by the time this movie comes out, he's like a veteran, and this is just business to him. Yeah, it's like he, in a sense, yeah. And even oh, Barry and Cyborg recognize him, right? They recognize yeah. his work. Even Barry sees the Batarang. Yeah. He's like, oh shit, I'm he's in. He's a legend, right? Yeah, legend. Yeah, you know. He was kind of coaching the young bucks, if you want to be real, in this movie. Yeah. You know? And I like and I like how in the in the um in the scene when they're on the carrier getting ready to go to battle, like if you remember the theatrical cut, they like took every moment to make it all lighthearted and funny and goofy. But in this one, they were genuinely nervous and scared about what they're about to go into. Like they had no idea what was going to happen. They're like, yeah. Um, so yeah, we actually have a plan now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the 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 newbies, the flat like only probably like Wonder Woman's the one who's you know has the most experience, but other than that, yeah, yeah. Bat- Batman is the guy. He's he's the brain, he's the intelligence, he 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 gives everyone else confidence too in his own way. And it's mm-hmm. this this is the Batman people wanted to see. It's the one who exactly. Who cares about the greater good? Who's not like a weird xenophobe like in BVS? Is like okay, I understand that we actually need like all these heroes are their own people, but they're tools mm-hmm. for the greater good. We need to we need a cyborg mm-hmm. for this, a Flash for this, a Superman for this, and that's well, that's if, the Batman yeah. we want. But even his quote unquote xenophobia in um in in, in Batman versus Superman was kind of warranted because when you see the horrible, I mean that's like the first time you he saw like beings of that power and that magnitude just like fighting and like just going through buildings like they're made out of cardboard that will do something to your head and that and like yeah he kind of got out of control with that in that movie but i kind of understand where he's coming from you have these titans fighting fighting the air and you know and they're dropping all these debris and people are getting squashed like ants while these guys are just going at it not not 
realizing the damaging damage that they're causing around them. So, like, yeah, I can understand the paranoia behind that. I, yeah, I'm all for paranoid. Yeah, nice. I'm all for paranoid Batman. Just usually the paranoid yeah. Batman is conserved. Like he has the blueprints to fuck everyone up if yeah, that exactly, happens. So exactly. that that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah, I want him to be able to kill some men at a notice, but keep that keep that mm-hmm. locked down. You know, keep your phobia in check mm-hmm. and realize that. Yeah. At first and foremost, you can use Superman as a tool in case someone like mm-hmm. Zod comes back. You're not going to do shit about that. <laughs> so, keep, exactly. you know, be the coordinator, use them effectively. And yeah, uh, more more of that Batman. If, if Ben wants to come back, that'd be great. But at least use Please this, this, back, <laughs> use this, ba- this Batman as a blueprint back. for the future ones. Ben Affleck, come on our show and Deadpool. talk about it. Yeah, this is his Deadpool, if you ask me. You know, like, this was the role he was meant to play. Like, as an actor, I'm not really a fan of Ben Affleck. I'm going to be honest and say that. But him as Batman, it was, it was like slipping on perfect um, size glove. Like, it just seems it like he hates being superheroes, natural. right? Because he was also Daredevil, and then after that movie, he hated it and never wanted to do it again. So I Now, think, Batman I mean, was actually a passion project for him. He just hated dealing with the studio interference with WB. Oh, that makes sense. Because he actually... Because he actually had his own, st- he actually had like a script for his own Batman movie in the works. He did. Which was going to be a part of the DCEU. But then, you know, like with all, with the calamity that went on with Batman versus Superman and the nightmare behind um, the Justice League production, he was like, screw it. I ain't got time for this shit, man. <laughs> you know, sure. Try to give me all something good. <laughs> and fans can be toxic, right? Like, especially yeah. like us, us in, in like the geekdom sphere. People really oh, yeah. like certain characters in certain ways, and they like imagine being famous and you're just getting notifications all day and saying like, "Yo, what the fuck? That sucked. You sucked. You suck. You suck. This sucks." Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I wouldn't want to be in that space either. That's not a good vibe. Exactly. It's not a good vibe. Exactly. You know, I and I was actually eating crow also because you know prior to Batman versus Superman, I was like, "Oh man, they got Ben Affleck to be Batman. Like, this is gonna be shit." But then I saw Batman versus. Yeah, exactly. But then I saw Batman versus Superman, you know, in spite of all of his flaws, he was brilliant in that movie. I'm like, you are Batman, as you, you know, like the point that you brought up earlier with the warehouse scene. I was like, that scene felt like him doing like a long chain combination from the Batman Arkham series. That's what I was that. That's what I had in my head when I was watching. I was like, yo, he's on that 12 piece combo that, you know, (laughs) took me like a month to master (laughs) just to get that next point to upgrade that skill. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how it felt. Um, To this day, that training scene in uh, BVS where Ben Affleck or Batman is training fight superman like every time i watch that i just get so pumped i'm like this is a pre-workout video for me at this point i'm gonna watch this and i'm just gonna feel so so and i've done something yeah and i've done some of the workouts that he's done like the when he was doing the pull-ups with the weights on it yo i i used to do that all the time and yo that gets you right that's like the best exercise you can do man like I'm trying to get back to that level, and his 50 year old ass can do it. I definitely can get back and get through that again. You know, <laughs> that's yeah, fair. Like, he was Batman. He definitely took that role seriously. You know, it was just a, it was just sad that WB didn't understand what they had here, and they're too busy trying to play um, keep up with the Jones with Marvel, and you know, yeah, as it happens. But yeah, at least it ended with this. You know, this is a good. You know, if if, the, if all those fatalities had to happen to get this four-hour 
epic. Yeah. Then you know, so be it. Mm-hmm. We, we got a we got a good ending at least. And before we wrap it up, yeah. I'm I'm interested in um. Epic. Yeah, absolute epic. Epic. So what what would you guys like next? Uh, like either it's a specific character that never got a movie before, group of characters, or something set in this timeline. Uh, MK, what, what do you want to see next out of this? Uh, uh, come out of this project. Well, what I want to see next is something that's already in the works. You know, I want to see what they're going to do with these Shazam movies now. And sure, we have yeah. Black Adam coming out, and I love Shazam. I love that movie, and with um and how at the end how they show superman come in like have lunch with him i want to see i want them to build on that whole shazam and superman relationship because you know shazam is like a huge fan of superman you know like he looks up to him that's like his that's like his role model into becoming a um an adult mature superhero and i want to see them do more of that i just i just really want them to take this snyder cut and you know, just use this as like the clarion call just to revamp all the mistakes that they made, you know, following the theatrical cut of um, Justice League. Because, dude, like, they got something good here. It'd be sad just to see it go in the trash, you know? Yeah, very fair. And I think The Rock is still set to play Black Adam, right? So, yeah, that's a passion project for him, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I. You know, they're such interesting characters. I love the whole dynamic of, like, Shazam possibly being mentored by Superman. That could be that could be a really cool relationship. Yeah. And it's the, the like villains he fight are crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You could do the yeah. Su- Superman, Superman and Shazam. And, Shazam. Yeah. It, and it could kind of play like the first Spider-Man movie in the MCU of, you know, Iron Man being there for Spider-Man in certain moments mm-hmm. to just help him out, mm-hmm. guide him to being, you know, the next leader, if you will. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I like it. I like it. What about you, uh, Luther, over there? Anything you would like to see in the DCEU? First of all, Jorge it's Luther. Jorge Luther. Excuse me, excuse you, me. Yes, sir. yes. Mr. Uh, Luther is your but, father. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, um, I think we I think we share an agreement on this one, man. I want to see something with Raven. Raven yeah. was my favorite member of Teen Titans. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think they have the, the potential to make something really dark and gritty, especially with, I think Raven has the most interesting storyline amongst DC mm-hmm. heroes other than maybe Constantine. Mm-hmm. And it's still that cosmic kind of yeah. environment. I'd love to see her interact with Trigon, show Trigon, the otherworldly threats within mm-hmm. DC, maybe tie it into a Teen Titans film because I love Teen Titans. Um, so mm-hmm. that's something I would really like to see. Uh, so I'll keep that quick because I actually have one more thing to talk about after this. But I'm gonna let I'm gonna let sure. you I'm gonna let you say your piece, Randy. Yeah, I'll double down. Well, like, you know, Raven all day. I would love to see because I am a huge fan of the animated DC uh, DC verse they made. It's brilliant. I think it's on par with Marvel. It just has there's not a lot of weak movies in those 15 plus movies they have. And you know, I think we talked briefly <laughs> offline before about the the last movie they had the kind of the finale of that universe which felt like endgame i would love to see characters like constantine and swamp thing to have their own justice league dark movie i would love a Mm -hmm. darker version of this team a team that handles weirder cosmic biblical things that the normal justice league wants yeah yeah let keanu do it again <laughs> bring, in, bring in Keanu. Some weird flashpoint brings Keanu's <laughs> Constantine into this verse. Love it. Justice League Dark. Let's go. I okay. think it's hypocritical bullshit. 
<laughs> I love that movie so I just, much. I just rewatched it last week. It, it still holds up. It's a good time. I love yeah. it, you know? <laughs> so I will say this. All right, just, just before we rate it, give it our rating, there's just little little things, little highlights I want to say that I really liked about the, the film in, in speed format here. Yeah. I thought the Amazonist scene in the beginning was even better. Right, yeah, I love that, that scene where they're in front of the mother box and Steppenwolf is like, I'm going to show you fear. And the queen is just oh, like, yeah. Amazon, <laughs> show him your fear. And they're like, we, we have no fear. fear. That, that was great. Was You're really right. Epic. That was, that was like their version of three. Um, that was a, that, like their version of Very 300. 300. Yeah. What is, your pro- <laughs> what is our profession? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I, I want to talk about Ezra Miller because I've heard a lot of gripes about how his humor was really awkward in the film. I thought most of those scenes were the same from the Whedon cut. So for me, the I mm-hmm. think that comical relief was not only needed, but it was actually fine yeah. uh, yep. because he's supposed yeah. to be a goofy character who's awkward around exactly. people, especially women. So it would make mm-hmm. sense for him, for him to have these cringy jokes throughout the whole mm-hmm. film. So to me, I'm going to disagree with what a lot of people say about his dialogue. I thought it was. I had no fantastic. problem with him. Yeah. I like it. I loved him. I liked him. He was good in his movie. Yeah. And then the the last two things I want to mention that I really liked here was that the epilogue showed Lex Luthor breaking out of Arkham, right? Because in the beginning of BV, or at the end of BVS, he looks really terrified when Bruce Wayne says, "There's p- there's fine facilities to actually help people heal who are suffering from mental illness, but not you. You're going to Arkham." And he has like this brief moment of fear on his face. But then at the mm-hmm. end of of this Justice League movie, he makes a he makes a small comment about how he did his time in Arkham and they actually helped him gain some clarity. So I was just like, "Oh, that's an interesting little." bit right because he's a madman he's a yeah. mad genius so and for like, what yeah. what would typically drive a sane man mad actually drove a madman sane uh so i, and I they kind that. of allude and they kind of alluded to the point that the mother boxes that he was exposed to kind of like messed with his mind a bit yeah so i agree they kind of yeah they kind of alluded to that a bit so yeah and this like in the epilogue as you say we kind of got more like the lex luther that we're used to you know, the calm, calculated, you know, bald head or Armani suit wearing bastard that we're used to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, my vote is still always Billy Zane for Lex Luthor. I think he would have been perfect yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But, yeah. But his but voice alone. Fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like him from Demon Knight, I'll always like I'm best actor ever. Love Billy Zane. Dude, man, um, you, you don't know how to act when that movie comes on. You just get goofy. Like, dog, you ever, <laughs> I, I'm sure you I'm sure you've watched um, Demon Knight with this fool. Right, Randy? Like, dude, like knows every word of the damn movie. I right? haven't yet. <laughs> He'll send me the clips oh every God. year, though. He'll send me a yearly clip of <laughs> Demon Knight. It's, it's he knows year every round damn line of this. <laughs> <laughs> Love that fucking movie. Um, all <laughs> right. Fair. And then last thing, last thing I wanted to bring up here. I thought it was a nice little detail uh, when they're trying to bring Superman back to life. When the ship recognizes the threat that they're about to awaken, right? Because it just mm-hmm. goes to further emphasize how advanced Kryptonian technology was and how advanced they were as a race, um, even mm-hmm. without the superpowers under a blue or a yellow sun. Because clearly the ship was saying, we recognize apocalypse technology. I str- we strongly advise against use of this technology. And I thought that was yeah. absolutely brilliant. I also really like the mm-hmm. fact that the technology could sense that a new future had been implanted in the present when Cyborg mm-hmm. got that vision. So I'm just like, damn, Kryptonians were just on a whole different level. And I, I listen, yeah, I still they needed to die. <laughs> yeah. I still don't like Superman because I think he's just way too powerful. Right. But this mm-hmm. made me like him just a little bit more because I think you and I were having this conversation, Cam. And I'm going to let you take this one away. 
two things I, I'd like for you to, to mention what you told me earlier, uh, talking about how Superman is supposed to be the guiding light for humanity to get to that level. And two, the black suit that was not included in the original film based on the mm -hmm. comics actually has some significance as to how that final battle plays out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Kryptonians were supposed to represent what human beings could be at their zenith. You know, and you saw how once they got to their zenith, their arrogance took over, which therein led to the decline of their um, people and how Superman, him on Earth, was supposed to like be like that catalyst to for human beings to get to that level. And with the black suit, like this, that that's a take back to um, the death and return of Superman series from the early 90s, how um, when Superman was thought to have been killed by Doomsday, and you have the successor battle between Steel, the Eradicator, yeah. Superboy, and how later on you saw Superman come back in this black suit. Now, the reason why he was in that black suit was because he was in a weakened state. And what that black suit does is it allows him to absorb more solar radiation, which is why when it came to that Steppenwolf fight, he seemed to be a bit more powerful than he was in Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel because he was completely juiced up. And you saw that when he flew up to the sky and he flew up, um, flew up into outer space to be greeted to the, um, by the sun to absorb more of those rays. So he got kind of like a supercharge in that battle. I thought that was really great. That, that was some serious yeah. fan service right there because everybody wanted to see that black suit. Like, you yeah. can't do a return arc without Superman in his black suit. It would have been nicer if they would have taken a step further and for him to have his 90s mullet. <laughs> now, and well, exactly. That's and that's just <laughs> the final point I wanted to make. They really pay attention to the power scaling, like I said, because now it makes sense, right? That's why even though the Justice League was able to kind of, you know, hold him back for a few seconds when he was coming after Batman... He seemed way more powerful when he just effortlessly froze Steppenwolf's axe and then just started beating the crap out of him and burning off a horn, right? Because he was juiced up now with that black suit, uh, which would make sense according to the comics because he also just resurrected from the dead. So not the, not at his strongest form at all. So I, I, I really enjoyed that little detail. I think Sna Zack Snyder really understands the source material. So personally, mm -hmm. um, I'll let you make your comments, Randy. And then from there, I think we give it our rating. Yeah. I mean, like, closing thoughts. You know, good movie. Good movie. It's it's phenomenally better than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. um, I had such... I just, it was something to watch. Just something to watch. Knew I was going to review it. Mm -hmm. And it surprised me. Um, <clears throat> I hope this is a format that they use in the future. hope they actually yeah. take time to give characters, you know, 30-plus minutes each to just do their through line of what they're going through, the archetype. Because that way you don't get stuff like Cyborg and the Flash's story just being lost because they should have future movies. And if you don't have this establishing movie talk about who they are, I don't care who they are later. Uh, so good movie. Um, I would personally probably get it a 8 out of 10 um, versus the maybe 4 or 5 from generous out of 10 I'd give uh, Justice League before. Um, more movies like this. For sure. Yeah. Go for it, Cam. Um, I'm gonna have to agree. You know, um, you know, to double down on, on what you mentioned about characterization. 
I hope what they do with this is they give care to all the characters. Because, like, once again, I'm a contrast with the MCU. You see how they kind of threw vital characters into, like, to the wolves, like the Incredible Hulk, for example. I mean, we got one Incredible Hulk movie, and the rest of them, and the more, and all the other times you see the Hulk is him, like, is like he gets more watered down as we go along. And I don't really think Marvel takes as good as their character, good as care of their characters with what we're seeing here in the process with DC. And if we're going, to, if I'm going to rate this movie, like, yeah, I'm gonna give it around the same score as Randy. Like, I'll say 8.5. I loved this movie. You know, it's not perfect, but it was satisfying. You know, which is a vast improvement from what I gave. You know, the the, the theatrical release, which was like a three and a half. I was being generous. Sure. <laughs> You know. It was quite trash. Um, <laughs> listen, quite I'm trash. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish off by agreeing with you guys. I would personally give it an eight out of ten. Um, I think it's a good start in the re- in in redirecting the franchise to what Zack Snyder originally envisioned—something darker, something grittier, something more DC. Right? As much as I love MCU, I think MCU is good in its own ways. I know Cam, you disagree mm-hmm. with me. You really hate a lot of the MCU. <laughs> But I think they both offer offer great things in, in different formats. I think the DC universe as a whole is always a little grittier, a little darker. So I'm liking mm. how Zack Snyder is doing his thing. So I would really mm. like to see things in the same vein, the same tone. I think that works for DC characters. Was this movie perfect? No. Did I think the four hours were warranted? Yes. Uh, mm. Because you really, so when you introduce a giant team of people on any movie, you need to understand where they come from. And they didn't give a lot of these characters... Um, they're independent films like Marvel did uh, before introducing mm-hmm. them to Justice League. So you really needed, at a minimum, I think, the four hours. Um, maybe a little less, but because there was some fluff in this movie, right? Some people say mm-hmm. Lois Lane was in it too much. Uh, some people say that the slow-mo shots were a little excessive and added to the runtime for no reason. But other than that, taking mm-hmm. that out, I still think that you needed a good majority of the time to really flesh out these characters so that when they fight fully synchronized at the end, it has some meaning. It has some um, some reward to it because you saw how long it took mm-hmm. for them to get there. So I really like that. Um, every character motivation was explained. Silas at first, when I when I took a, a break at intermission, I was like, why did Silas just kill himself for no reason with the mother box? And they're like, oh, it's so that they could track it with the with the thermo signature. So I, I thought that was cool. Uh, so mm-hmm. little attentions to detail, I really enjoyed. So I would give this movie an eight out of ten. I think we're all pretty much in the same ballpark with this film would we like to see more absolutely but Zack snyder thank you for giving us something beautiful to watch for the dc please universe. release a widescreen version please man you know yeah, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. that 4-3 shit we need a widescreen yeah. version <laughs> yeah that i mean come on bro I, I, that probably that's what he wanted but <laughs> yeah yeah i want a widescreen version man <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll definitely release a widescreen version but i think uh, right. i think all in all i can't complain this this movie did everything that i wanted it to uh yeah. dark side is coming i love seeing him squash steppenwolf's head effortlessly yeah. at the end there really just sets mm-hmm. the tone i can't wait to see granny goodness uh decide and the team just go to town he had very very get Thanos ed asner get yeah. ed asner come back and voice granny goodness he's still alive he can still do it you know, like he, he he probably has like, you know, he's probably like 90 something years old. You know, he might die at any moment. But while he's still alive, get him <laughs> to voice Granny Goodness, please, please. 
Hear us, Zack Snyder. Get Ed Eisner back. The call has been placed. The call exactly. has been placed. <laughs> But thank, uh, yeah. thank you, uh, thank you, Zack Snyder. Truly, I mean, this was this was a brilliant movie. I loved yeah, seeing the definitely. dedication to his daughter at the end. Um, would love to see mm. more. For sure, mm. for sure. Good times. Thanks, definitely. Snyder, and uh, thank you, MK, for hopping on and reviewing. Solid, uh, you know, hundred minutes, and I, I loved every minute of it. Fun to geek out yeah, anytime. Fun. So definitely feel free to come back for any future reviews we're doing. Uh, would love to have you. Definitely. And uh, thanks for all you guys tuning in. This has been After the Act Podcast. If you want to hear more episodes, you can find us on malampictures.com. You can find a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you're interested in other kind of podcasts, we have the Magic Conch Podcast where we bullshit. And can you definitely have to come on for that one. That one's uh, even looser than this one. <laughs> um, it's all good times. You can find us on Twitch and YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're watching there. Follow us on Facebook at Mountain Pictures, After the Act, or the Magic Conch Podcast. Um, yeah, until next time, we're out. Absolutely. Peace. And uh, let's just keep in mind, Darkseid had that great Thanos moment at the end of Justice League. He was just like, fine, get my ship. It's like the equivalent of saying, I'll do it myself. So exactly. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> He's going to do it himself. Back. See you. All right, peace.